Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Happy New Year. I'm thrilled to see you guys. Really glad you guys are here. Um, I want to talk to you guys. You guys like New Year's messages? Okay. I do. I do. I'm, you guys know that about me. I go all in on everything. That's how come if I'm running every single person in this room, even the people I'm barely friends with, you guys know about it. Um, if I just like purchase something new or I'm trying a new hobby, every person in the room knows about it because I can't keep my mouth shut when I'm like really into something. So this is just the time of year for me to thrive. Everybody's really into things and I'm just here for all of it. Like all the podcasts, like suddenly I want to read up on like space a little bit. And like, you know, I saw an, a documentary about like these rock climbers. So now I want to rock climb. That that's me. Every movie I watch, I just want to do what they do. If I watch Remember the Titans, I want to play football. Uh, if I watch an ice skating movie, I want to do that. But I'm not going to do the rock climbing thing. Have you guys seen that Netflix documentary? It's newer, and it's like where they, they do it without, without anything. Like they just climb. You know what I'm talking about? Free Solo, I think it was called. It's got a little bit of a sad ending, but totally worth watching. I'm just that kind of person. But I do want to talk to you tonight about something that's not just hype, because I told you that's my personality, but that's actually kind of a problem. I can be a little bit of a person who is just all hype, but when it comes down to the substance of it, like, I didn't take the time to really get great, so, like, I'm, I'm not good, you know? Like rock climbing. I could get really excited. I would even go buy all the gear. I would read all the reviews and buy the get best gear for no reason because I'm a novice, but I would be like, well, this is what they used in the movie, so that's what I want to get to. And guess what? I still wouldn't be able to rock climb because I can't, and that's not where you start with, you know, watching a documentary and just going out there. So there's a little bit of danger, personally for me, and things that are just all hype. And like I said, that's my personality, so I'm talking to myself tonight. So I want to bring you some things for the new year that are extremely practical. They're like pretty low hype, actually. Not a lot of hype in this. I'm going to give you guys my best keys for a great year, and you're probably going to be like, okay, Thanks. <laughs> but listen to me. Here's what I've learned. Hype really doesn't get me anywhere. You know, hype is entertaining. Hype feels good in the moment. Hype really gets you going. It's provocative, as they say. But it's not, there's just no substance. It doesn't get me anywhere. I can get really hyped up about something, and on day three, I've like already fizzled out. So, what I want to see you guys do, and what I want to do this year, is make some changes that are really lasting. And in fact, I'm much less focus on changes this year as I am on disciplines. That's what we're going to talk about tonight is just disciplines. And this has become a little bit of a buzzword right now, but I think it's so important to recognize the fact that like we are Christians and that's not just like a word or a phrase or just a generic group of people who are typically conservative and you know, whatever. Being a Christian means that we align our life to a certain set of morals and that we practice a certain set of disciplines. But it's really interesting because it seems like a lot of Christians are missing those disciplines, and that's why they are so frustrated. So I want to speak to you tonight if you're living a frustrated life as a Christian. Like if you're a Christian but you really don't think it's that much fun, 
Or you're a Christian and you even think it's kind of annoying because in general people think bad things about you or like think, you know, make assumptions. And I've been there, so I'm not saying this from a place of criticism, but if you're living a frustrated life, I want to say to you tonight, it's because you're missing just the basic disciplines. Jesus made things so simple for us, and it's amazing that when we do those simple disciplines, they don't look flashy and they don't look exciting and it doesn't feel like a huge life change overnight like, oh, now I ran an ultra marathon. It doesn't feel like that, but it's the things that are done daily as a discipline that really make the Christian life something to be loved and enjoyed and desired. When we look at the Bible and we look at like the first Christians after Jesus died, people were getting saved by the thousands and coming to church. They had something happening that was really appealing, really exciting, that really drew a crowd. And that's what our regular disciplined Christian life should be doing. A regular disciplined Christian life is so much fun. I've learned this. It's so much better than hype. It's so much better than something new and flashy. It's so much better than like, you know, a new book with like a new diet plan and a new like a meditation plan and all this stuff. And I can buy into all that. Trust me. Like I have books on Ayurveda. I have books on mental health. I have books on this diet. I have books on that diet. I, I'm drawn to that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm bringing myself back this year and saying, okay, it's not huge you know, crazy changes in a brand new book that is going to make my life look different, but it's these normal Christian disciplines. So that's what we're talking about tonight. And I think a lot of frustrated Christians, the reason that they're sort of irritated and unhappy about things is because they know that there is more, right? Christianity is more than just getting saved once and that's it, you know? It's more than just going to church on Sunday and then going home and living your life and then going back to church the next Sunday. Like, that's not what being a Christian means. And if you're living your life as a Christian just in that way, it's going to be frustrating. If you feel frustrated, that's valid. <laughs> I would feel that way too. I have felt that way too. We are made to be doing things like hearing God's voice, experiencing healing, walking in joy, enjoying the Bible, actually enjoying reading the Bible, actually liking prayer. I'll be super honest with you. There have been times in my life where I did not think prayer was fun. Right now, I think prayer is amazing, and I'll tell you how I got there. There have been times in my life where I read my Bible, and I feel like it didn't like speak to me or do anything, and then there have been times in my life where I can find something in like every part of the Bible that speaks to me. I'll tell you how to get there. I'm just saying that because I've been there, so if you're feeling that way, that's okay, but I think sometimes we forget we have a perfect example to look at, and that was Jesus. I don't know if we think of Jesus as a Christian, but like he was the original one, and he's the one who illustrated some of these fundamental disciplines that we need to implement in our life. When I'm troubleshooting things in my life, I can look to the example of Jesus because he was a man and a human on this earth just like me. So if I'm struggling with something, I can look to him to figure out what I need to do to change things. So if you're frustrated tonight, this message is for you. And if we look at the life of Jesus, he modeled the fundamental disciplines of Christianity, right? Christianity is built entirely on the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus 
Christ. So when he came to earth as a human, part of his role was to model for us, here's how to be a Christian human. Here's how to walk as people of God in the earth and in the flesh. And if we're disciples, then we need to follow the disciplines of Jesus. And when we look at his life, he showed us how to live. And if those disciplines enabled him to live the way he lived and fulfill his call and walk with God, then those disciplines will do the very same thing for me. I don't need to look for something new. I don't need to look for something exciting. I don't need to change it up. I need to focus on the fundamental disciplines that worked for Jesus because they're going to work for me too. So there's three simple ones I want to share with you tonight. The first one is reading and knowing the word of God. Reading and knowing the word of God. And just listen to me tonight, you guys. Like I said, I'm not going to tell you anything that sounds like super earth shattering or really exciting, but these things have changed my life. And this is what God is calling me back to this year. Like not the coolest, latest Christian book and not the biggest, freshest speaker, but really looking at Jesus and what did he do that sustained his life? How did he stay connected to God in a way that allowed him to do miracles and to just change the world and create a church that brought thousands in at a time? So first thing, reading and knowing the word of God. And I want to look in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4 in the Passion for this. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. If you've been through some ordeals in the last year, it's okay. Jesus did too. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished. Then the tempter came to entice him to provide food by doing a miracle. So he said to Jesus, this is Satan talking, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. And here's Jesus' response. He answered and said, the scriptures say, bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word which constantly goes forth from God's mouth. So this is a passage that illustrates to us, Jesus knew the word of God. And if he knew the word of God, he had read the word of God. This passage shows us that he is quoting the word. And if we see him throughout his ministry, he's constantly quoting the word of God. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's also quoting his father. But he's showing us, hey, the word is a vital part of my life. When he was preaching, it was the word. When he was talking back to the devil, it was the word. When he was bringing healing, it was the word. And so Jesus was demonstrating there is importance in reading and knowing the word of God. And here's what the word does for us. I love this so much. It provides a foundation, a moral standard, and a way of life. The word provides a foundation, a moral standard, and a way of life. And we see this in Psalm 119, 105 in the New Living. It says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And you know, um, I went to a Christian school. Does anyone know the pledge of the Christian flag? besides me in this room. <laughs> did you know there is a Christian flag? And did you know there's a pledge to it? There is. I don't know why. I don't know who wrote it. It's not that great. But <laughs> there is one part that says, I will hide your word in my heart. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so that verse has been in my head like since kindergarten, okay? You know, it's always there. And I've never given a whole lot of thought to it other than like, oh, the word, you know, brings light. That's nice. But if you really think about this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word is literally given to us to guide us through life. And it answers the biggest questions of life, which is amazing. The things that we're all born asking, like, why am I here? 
what is good, what is wrong, what is evil, what is right, what happens after I die, where did I come from, where did the world come from, where is the world going? The absolute biggest questions of life and of philosophy are answered by the word of God. It is a literal lamp to us or a light to our path showing us, hey, this is the way to live. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to have questions about why you're here or what life is about. The word of God literally addresses every single one of those things and lights before us a path that we can walk on so that we don't have to try and find it. And I I want to stress that you cannot really understand life apart from the word of God. It's that important. The word of God, we kind of know this because most of us have grown up hearing this. But if you really think about it, that is amazing that the word of God literally explains life for us. It provides the meaning for life. It provides a way to live. It provides a moral code. We don't have to wonder what's right and wrong and what to think about this issue, what to think about that issue. No, the Bible tells us the Bible sets our way of life. And if you've been feeling frustrated or confused about your life, I want to say to you, read the Bible. If you're feeling frustrated or confused about like what these people bring up on TikTok, like these great life questions they come up with, read the Bible. Like literally, I was chuckling to myself about this the other day. (laughs) There was somebody on TikTok and this girl was like, yeah, I used to go to church, but you know, uh, and I, I feel I would thought like I felt God moving and stuff during songs, but then I realized the same thing happens at like concerts. Like you just kind of do this, and then you say this, and then the music builds like this, and then everybody has goosebumps. And she was like, "It's the same thing." And I thought, well, this is interesting. But you know, when I got to thinking about it again, I was thinking about what I know from the Bible. I thought, well, yeah. This makes sense because God created music, and in music, he made it to be anointed. Like, there's a reason that certain songs do things when we hear them. There's a reason that we feel things. There's a reason that there's a response that comes out of us. And if you read about the origin of Satan, he was literally created to make music. Music came out of his being. So God created music to work that way, to get stuck in your head, to influence you, to move on you. Well, yes, of course that's going to happen on the opposite side of things too, when that was the devil's original creation and now he's using it for evil. How did I come to that conclusion? Just by the word of God. This girl said something that I thought, man, like I feel like people would listen to that and get really confused and think, yeah, like it's just a bunch of hype. No, it's something spiritual happening, but it can happen in either setting with any kind of spirit. Like if that makes sense. Is this diving too deep for you? I'm just showing you how I approach things when I hear something that makes me think twice. And usually I'm thinking of you guys like, huh, what what would they think if they heard that? Because if you just listen to it and you don't think about it, you could think it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, they do just know how to get the crowd really hype and, and kind of create this emotion and all this stuff. Well, no, it's because there's an anointing and a power and a spirit behind it. And that's why we experience it in worship. And that's why you can experience it other places too, because it's a spiritual thing. But I know that by the word of God. I use the word of God to answer those kind of questions that come up in my life. So I want to encourage you, if you encounter something and you're confused, go to the word. If you feel frustrated about your life, go to the word. 
If your friends are talking about issues at school and you're like, I don't really know what to think about that. This sounds right and that sounds right. Go to the word. God made it so easy for us to find our answers and to not be frustrated. And one thing I'm really um, inspired to do this year and committed to doing is to not just use the Bible as a reference book. I realized um, just in the last few weeks like, wow, you know what? I don't really sit and read the Bible like it's a book. Like I sit and read other books and I start at the beginning and I finish at the end like we all do. But I don't, I haven't been sitting and like reading the Bible. I've been referencing it. I look it up when I want to find a certain scripture. I look at it when I want to find scriptures on a certain topic. I look at it when a scripture pops in my head or when I'm going over notes and I'm going back over what like the preacher said, but I haven't actually been sitting and reading the Bible. So a couple days ago, I got up in my attic. I found the daily Bible, which now for you guys would be like an app or something. But back in my day, it's an actual Bible that's broken down. It's a three 365 chunks and you read it every day and then at the end of the year you've read the whole Bible. So I want to encourage you like we can actually read the Bible like it's a book because it is. <laughs> it's so much more than that but I was using it as a reference book instead of really a book that I was focusing on reading every single day. Now I'll take a little bunny trail here and say I know some of you I think at least one of you is reading the entire Bible in the month of January. Is anyone in here doing that? No? I thought some of you guys were. Okay, well, Evan was doing it, but he got really sick, so he might still have kept it up. I'm not really sure, but I thought he was doing it with some of you guys. Maybe it's some people that's not here. So anyways, I was just going to say, if you're not reading the entire Bible in a month, you don't need to feel bad. I'm not either, but I am going to read the entire Bible this year because I don't want to just use it as a reference book to like look things up that I'm thinking about. I want to actually be reading it and taking it in every day. So first thing, reading and knowing the Word of God. Are you guys excited yet? I promise this is life-changing. I promise it's amazing if you do it. The second thing I want to point out tonight that Jesus did, a discipline that he practiced was consistent prayer. He practiced consistent prayer. And we see this in Luke 5, verses 15 through 16 in the New Living. It says this, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So Jesus made prayer a habit. This was a fundamental discipline for Jesus. He, it says he often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. He had a habit of prayer. We see throughout his life, the Bible tells us he prayed privately. He prayed publicly. Uh, he prayed passionately. One time he was praying and he was sweating blood. That was before he died. But he had implemented prayer in his life on a very disciplinary basis to where he did it often. And he had made a habit of prayer. And like I told you, the word gives us instruction for how to live, right? But that instruction is general. It doesn't say, Chloe, you need to work at JC and buy your first home at the age of 19, right? It doesn't say, Judah, you need to be a professional chef and a preacher on the weekends. Like the Bible gives us general instruction for our life, but not always specific instruction. It's not telling you where to go to school, who to marry, what to pursue in life, etc. This is where prayer comes in. The word of God gives us our foundational basis of general instruction, but prayer is where we get the specific details that we need 
The really personal stuff. The stuff that's not in the Bible spelled out for us. This comes by prayer. And that is just part of the beauty and value in prayer is that I can get any answer I need from God. He's not holding back from me. He's not holding out on me. And if I need specific direction that I can't find in the word of God, then I can get that in prayer. And I love that so much because it's unique to me. And this is what the Bible says, something it says about prayer in Mark eleven twenty four. This is also in the Passion. It says, this is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. And we've a lot of times maybe heard this verse about believing for very physical, tangible things like X amount of dollars or a new car or a job or money or whatever. The older I get, the less I care about that stuff. I look at this verse now and I see, okay, I can be confident whenever I ask of God in prayer that I'm going to receive. So if I ask him for an answer to a specific situation, I can be confident I'll receive it. If I need to ask him where to go to college, I can be confident he'll speak that to me. If I need to ask him to help me in a relationship, I can be confident he's going to talk to me about that. So instead of thinking of material things or achievements, you know, go to God for answers to your questions. Not just asking for like tangible stuff or stuff you want or like a new pair of shoes, but go to him to get answers. Where should I go to school? What should I do with my life? Who should I marry and where should I live? Because the Bible doesn't answer that stuff in detail, but that doesn't mean God doesn't answer it in detail. He absolutely will. And he does it when we take time to pray and to seek him. You know, through prayer, we can obtain those things we need. And I love this. In James 1, 5 in the Passion, it says this, If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it. It's that simple. If you need wisdom about something, ask God. He'll give it to you. If things are tough in your family right now, ask God about it. He'll talk to you about it. If things are difficult for you at school right now, ask God about it. If things are difficult for you with anxiety or depression right now, talk to God about it. You can ask God questions and you can expect an answer. Sometimes I think we're scared to ask because we don't want to deal with maybe him not answering, you know? And I'm not saying that everything in life will always work out the way that I want it to, but I have found that God is never silent, no matter how things are working out. If I go to him, you know, I can ask him for an answer and I can ask him for wisdom, but I can also go to him for comfort when I need it and for peace when I need it and for strength when I need it. So don't be afraid to ask God for what you need. Whatever is on your mind, Talk to him about it. And I want to say this to you. It's a little side note, but if you have a hard time hearing from God, there's two simple things that I have learned that work every single time. If I'm having a hard time hearing from God, number one, I pray in tongues more because absolutely nothing has enabled me to hear God's voice like that. Absolutely nothing. Even now, if things start getting a little muddy for me, I know I need to pray in tongues more. If all of a sudden, like, it's a little fuzzy, I'm not sure what God is saying, I'm having a hard time deciphering it, I need to pray in tongues more. And this wasn't the answer that I wanted to hear when I was 13 and 14 and 15 because I didn't think that was fun. But let me tell you, it is worth the time, it is worth the effort, it is worth the focus because it is so comforting to me to know I'll never have to be in a situation where I can't hear God speak. That doesn't exist for me anymore unless... I'm not praying enough. And it's as easy as that to get it back because all I got to do is pray more. 
Praying in tongues quiets the things in my life so that I can actually hear God speak clearly. And the beautiful part of that that I honestly love the most is that he not only speaks to me about me, but he speaks to me about other people so I can encourage them. And that is so valuable. It's so valuable to me to know that I can pray for you and pick something up for you and text something to you that's gonna help you because maybe you're in a situation that's really hard and you can't hear God speak right now. That's okay. Like he can use me to help and he can use you to do that for other people too. It's not just about us, but it's about getting in a place where we can hear him. And I promise you praying in tongues will do that. When I used to think that it didn't really work, that's because I was praying for like three minutes at a time and then being like, well, I didn't hear him speak. So, you know, (laughs) we're going to get to that a little bit later. But like the reason it didn't work is because I wasn't really doing it. You know, we got to have those honest conversations with ourselves sometimes. So if you struggle to hear God speak, pray in tongues. And the second thing is to just follow peace. There are so many times where I didn't have peace about something and I leapt into it anyway because I felt pressure to make a decision right now. And what I really needed to do was just press pause and pray in tongues until I had some peace about something. The Bible says, let peace rule in your heart. Dr. Jacobs taught us that word rule. It's literally talking about making calls like an umpire. Hey, this is in. Hey, this is out. Hey, this relationship is in. That relationship is out. This decision is in. That decision is out. It's that simple. So if you are filling up tight and you don't have peace about something, just keep praying about it until you do. The answer will come, but I many times just rushed into things when I didn't have peace and then it was kind of messy, so wouldn't recommend it. But practicing prayer was a discipline that Jesus demonstrated. And I promise you, if you do it, you will hear God speak. And the third thing, and the final thing I want to talk about is practicing worship and gratitude. This was a discipline of Jesus. And I didn't pull up all these references because it would have been a bunch, but we see in the Bible that when Jesus took, uh, broke the five loaves and the two fish that he fed thousands with, he stopped and he gave thanks. And at the last supper, when he was eating with his disciples, he stopped and he gave thanks. And when he was asked to have dinner with his disciples, they were on the road to Emmaus, he stopped and he gave thanks. Do you see the recurring thing here? Jesus, he really stopped and and gave thanks for like things that weren't even miraculous. It wasn't even after someone's like leg grew out or anything. It was just like, thank you, Lord, for this meal. Like being grateful for the little things and just like the things that are a part of daily life. But Jesus practiced gratitude. And I want to talk about worship too. Those things to me really go together because uh, in the United States, we think worship is just Hillsong music or whatever. You know, when we think worship, we're thinking of something like that. But really worship... It's just the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. It's just expressing how you feel, similarly to gratitude. So we can see that they're really just both expressions of telling God that you reverence him, you admire him, you're grateful for what he's done. They're both expressions toward him, but the amazing thing is that they do really so much more for us. You know, God loves us enough that he loves to hear us praise and worship him, but it's not like it makes him more powerful or whatever, builds up his throne in heaven. He's already God. He doesn't truly need anything we can do for him, but we need the benefits of what happened when we really choose to practice worship and gratitude as a fundamental discipline of our life. And this can be so difficult. It doesn't sound hard, but it really can be. You know, when you've had the worst day ever and your emotions are just really loud, 
It's not our first response normally to worship or to be grateful. This goes very countercultural to everything that we feel like naturally doing. This is kind of just the opposite of just what human nature would be, to be filled with worship and gratitude. But those expressions that are toward God do so much for us. The thing that those things do for me in my life is they build my faith. Sometimes when my mind is too loud and when it's been a hard day, I need to build myself up. I need to be told, hey, God is great. Hey, God has done so much for me. God is for me in this situation. He's moving on my behalf, right? I need to preach to myself a little, and worship and gratitude is how I do that. I go to God and say, God, you are so amazing. God, I know that you're working in my situation. I know you're for me, and if you're for me, who can be against me? I know your mercies never fail. I know that you're a God of miracles, and I go on and on. I'm worshiping. God, but really that is building my faith so that when I'm finished, I'm feeling like, hey, this situation's not so bad anymore. I'm reminded of what God can do because I took the time to be grateful and to express that to him. So worship and gratitude build my faith and they also change my perspective, right? We know that worship, uh, a lot of times a word that goes along with worship is to magnify, That means to make something bigger. And when I've spent all day thinking that a certain situation or relationship or frustration or feeling or whatever is so big, it is really important for me to stop and worship and magnify God to remind myself that he's really bigger than anything I'm facing. It's not just like something a Christian mom wears on a t-shirt. God is greater than the highs and lows or whatever. It's the actual truth. God is bigger than whatever I feel like I'm up against, you know? So it changes my perspective to a place where I know that this is going to turn out okay and I'm going to be all right and that God is moving. My perspective is shifted so that that situation can't get the best of me. And the other thing that it does is it brings contentment. When I really focus on God and worship and praise him, it brings me back to the realization that God is truly all I need. If I lost my house tomorrow, I would be okay. And if I lost my job tomorrow, I would be okay. And if I lost all my friends tomorrow, I'd be really bummed for a while, but eventually I would be okay. (laughs) Because God is really all I need. You know, I've learned to live in the reality of that, and it makes me so content, even when there's not as much money in my bank account as I want there to be, or even when I get, you know, some discouraging news about something, or even when I have a day where I just, you know, my anxiety felt like it was horrible today, like, wow, I haven't had a day this bad in such a long time, but when I come home and I choose worship and gratitude and practice those as a discipline, It brings contentment because it brings me back to the place of remembering that no matter what I have or don't have, I have all I need because I have God and I know that he can take care of every single thing in my life. So that discipline of worship and gratitude is not just for the Sunday morning like worship team and it's not just for like your favorite song that you turn on, but it's really a fundamental expression that we need to focus on every day. Did I take time today to worship God and be grateful? Did I thank him for anything? 
did I acknowledge him at all or thank him, you know, for that I believe, tell him, just tell him that like, I know this looks crazy, but I know you're working, <laughs> right? And he'll be like, yes, right, I got this. You know what I'm saying? Take that time, just like we know, okay, we're supposed to read our Bible every day. Okay, we're supposed to pray every day. I'm focusing this year on, okay, I'm supposed to open my mouth every day. This is a fundamental Christian discipline that Jesus modeled for me to be grateful and to worship because of what it does for me. It builds my faith, it changes my perspective, and it brings contentment. And I need all three of those things. And I want to talk to you in closing tonight because I know some of you are hearing this and you're just like, this is not what I wanted to hear. Like I was kind of saying earlier, I've tried it and it doesn't work, right? Last year in January, I was going to read my Bible every day and I was going to set my alarm 10 minutes earlier and I did it two days and I never did it again. I've been there. It's fine if that was you. But I, I know, and I'm not saying this if from a critical standpoint, but I know some of you are feeling like this doesn't work or like that's not enough or whatever. But I just want to remind you that you get out of your relationship with God what you put in. Yeah. And in my life, like I said, when I was the person who was saying, like, I don't really feel like praying in tongues is working for me, it's because I was barely doing it. You know what also doesn't work for me? Eating one salad a week and eating chocolate cake for every other meal. You know what I'm saying? We can put it in a little perspective like that. If you're on a sports team, it's not really going to work if you show up to one practice a month, right? You're not going to get better. Your coach is going to bench you every game, and you can't even be mad about it because you're not putting anything into it. The same is true of our relationship with God. You get out of your relationship with God what you put into it. And it's not because God is holding back on you, but it's because he is gracious and he's kind and he has put everything in your hands. He's not going to force anything, but he has said, you can go absolutely as far as you want to in life. You draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It's really easy. But it does start with us. He's not just going to barge in. So I want to tell you, if you've been discouraged before, you probably didn't really do it for long, right? We can all be honest about that. I, every single time that I was like, whatever, this isn't doing much, it's because I was barely doing it. Like I said, it's like eating a salad once a week and eating garbage the rest of the week. I can't get mad if I'm not in shape. Like, that's on me. Same thing with your relationship with God. But here's what I do want to encourage you. Those times that I tried it and it didn't really work, it's because I tried to eat, like, you know, an elephant or whatever. Like, you eat it one bite at a time. So I was always like, I'm going to get up two hours earlier and I'm going to pray for one hour. And then I'm going to read my Bible for 30 minutes and then I'm going to worship for 30 minutes. If you don't even usually pray for five minutes, praying for an hour is really hard. I always fall asleep on my couch or in my bed um, because I didn't get up. So <laughs> it was just off to a bad start from the get-go, people, okay? But if you right now don't pray at all, no biggie, but I'm giving you a piece of advice, don't try to pray for an hour. And here's what I even had to learn. Don't even really start with like 30 minutes because you're just going to give up after like 12 and feel really discouraged and feel like you failed and be like, well, that didn't help anyway. Start small. Here's what I started doing when I got serious about this stuff. I would pray for five minutes, but I would do it just like as much as I could. So five minutes when I was getting ready for work and five minutes when I was driving to work and five minutes on my lunch break at school or five minutes in between classes, I broke it down into teeny tiny time frames, I promise. And when I felt like I couldn't sit and read chapters of the Bible, I would pick one verse that I loved and I would write it on something and I would just read it all the time. 
I literally started right here with tiny, tiny stuff. But the amazing thing was those tiny, tiny things changed my life in really big ways. Like I was shocked. I remember when I first really got serious about like praying in tongues and devoting time to prayer, it was those tiny, tiny chunks, teeny, teeny, you know, five and 10 minute car rides and just these little spurts. It was never long periods of time, never, ever in those days. But it was like amazing. It was like a week or two in, I was all of a sudden just like, wow, like God is speaking to me, people. <laughs> like, wow, it works. Because I was actually doing it, but I had to find a way to make it manageable because I was starting at square one. So with these things, I want you guys to do these things this year because they will change your life. It will be so incredible. And it's just, like I said, I can get caught up in so much stuff. It's important for me to go back to the basics and really look at what Jesus did and what he set up for us in the Christian life. So if you want to implement these things this year, start small, be consistent. That was the other thing that I did that really made a difference. If you pray one day and then don't for six days and then pray one day and then don't for four days, you're not going to see a lot of results, okay? But when I broke it down into those manageable pieces, I found that it was much easier for me to be consistent. It probably wasn't like the same amount of time in prayer every day, but it was just like, well, every time I'm in the car, I'm going to pray in tongues. Or every time, you know, I do this. It was so easy to be consistent because I made it small enough to swallow. Same thing with the word of God. Like, I have a book now that I carry with me that I have my like current favorite scriptures in all the time that I can be looking at. And it's easy. It's as simple as that. It's like me on my lunch break, just pulling that out. This year, like I told you, I'm working on sitting down and going back to really reading longer portions of the Bible again, because I've gotten away from that lately. But just be consistent with it. Find ways that you can work it into your everyday life. You don't have to get up two hours earlier than you do right now, but find ways to work it into your life. Start small, be consistent and realize that it will truly allow you to experience real Christianity. Like that, ah, being a Christian, that term is just so, like I even have feelings about that term. No one, you don't meet someone new and immediately say, I'm a Christian because <laughs> they're probably going to think 75 bad things about you, right? I struggle with that being like, man, like, ugh. I almost, it's not that I hate to identify as that, but I hate the reputation that goes along with that. And a lot of that reputation has been kind of earned. So it's like a sticky thing. But I was encouraged when I was looking at this stuff of being like, no, me, being a Christian really means following Jesus. And it's so incredible that we can do that. And it's so amazing that he laid these disciplines out for us that are really so easy. Like this is what allowed Jesus to do miracles. And when I look at it that way, okay, doing a miracle doesn't seem that hard if it means that I, you know, am a person of prayer and I'm a person of the word and I'm a person who worships and practices gratitude. Like, okay, that can get me where it got Jesus. And that's pretty amazing. The thought of him being able to help just hundreds of people and thousands of people being saved, it was all done because of what Jesus modeled for us, these fundamental basic Christian disciplines. And so that's what I am personally trying to just take my life back to this year, focusing on those things, making sure that I don't let myself slip in any area, because if I want the results Jesus had, 
I have to do what he did, but the good news is what he did was pretty simple, and we can do it too. So I love you guys so much. I hope you're encouraged about this. It's not maybe a message about specific New Year's goals, and that's fine if you have your New Year's goals, but as a person who really loves New Year's goals, um, uh, they're not that effective for me. So <laughs> I'm finding things that really bring lasting change, because like I said, I can buy $200 of rock climbing gear and just not do anything with it. That's the way I operate, and that doesn't help me or change my life at all. So, I do want to make one quick announcement tonight. You guys cannot go into the large fellowship hall. It's set up for an event, so I'm sorry, fellas. We can take stuff outside if you feel like braving the cold. Or I don't care if you bring the spike ball situation in here or whatever. That's totally fine, too. We just can't go into the big fellowship hall tonight because it's set up for an event. And please don't miss our movie night. How many of you have seen it? Sorry, I think Shelbs asked that earlier. Has anyone not seen it? Okay. I'm not going to spoil it. I, I had spoilers going into it, but the person actually told me the wrong spoilers. So, so I was really surprised in real life all over again. So it's fine. But please come to our movie night, January 19th. Your friends are welcome to come. It's free. Just meet us at the theater at 7 p.m. And I will pray to close us out tonight. Father, we're really grateful for the example of Jesus and the way that he modeled the Christian life for us, Father. And we thank you that the Christian life really is the best life and it's a life of peace and joy and contentment and fulfillment. And we're so grateful that you've made it easy tonight, Father. So as friends and family in this room tonight, we just commit to really focus on those fundamental disciplines this year of reading our Bible and praying and worshiping and practicing gratitude, Father. We know that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us, that you're a faithful God who always responds and always rewards and always moves when we ask you to, Father. So I pray over each student in this room as they begin to seek you and reach out to you and move toward you, Father, that you would start to move in their life in new ways and begin to speak to them really clearly to encourage them, Father, to light the path for their life and show them where to go and what they need to do. And I thank you so much, Father, for giving us the quarry in this church uh, to just to be a family and to serve you together and encourage one another, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 